So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. To a brand spanking new episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Hey, I'm Nate Larkin here with your friend and mine, David Hampton. Yes. Uh, hey, hey, David. Hey. We are record, we're recording this in the thick of the holiday season. We have launched. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. I'm under pressure now to get the tree up. Oh, There's Lord. no tree yet. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, you know, the weather here in uh, the Northern Hemisphere, even though I'm in the Southern States, turning chilly, well below freezing this morning. Yeah. Uh, it's getting dark early. All that helps me to get in. It starts to feel a little bit more like Christmas. Get me more into the holiday spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, do, it doesn't hurt that Allie and I have some grandkids living with us temporarily. So we got kids around the house. And they're definitely thinking of Christmas. Oh, yeah. They are thinking ahead and <laughs> dropping hints. They're the the hints are knee deep around no, the house. Right no now. doubt, no doubt. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. So uh now you you're in a different situation right now. Now you got grandkids, but they're not living with you. Right. They're not living with me. They're yeah. uh and they're young younger than mine, but yeah, so yeah. How is Thanksgiving and how's the season treating you? Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Thanksgiving was a real interesting deal because um, uh, I, I have some relatives that usually come down from Illinois and they did not uh, make it this year. And, uh, you know, they're aging and so forth. And uh, I have, you know, my daughter and son-in-law and my grandsons that were coming. Uh, this was all to my mm -hmm. mom and dad's. And uh, they, my, my daughter and my, uh, two grandsons came down with the type one and type two flu, uh, oh, okay. the week of, and they were sick as dogs. And so, uh, you know, my poor son-in-law was running interference and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, being all things to all people over there. And it, it apparently it was a pretty bad crime scene from what I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I would have seen the yellow tape if I driven past the house. Hazmat suits, the whole deal. Yeah. It yeah. was not a good <laughs> not a good thing over there. <laughs> Somebody had it at every end that you can have it at some point. Yeah, yeah. And so it was just bad. Yeah. And so they did not come, uh, and gratefully mm -hmm. they, you know, stayed home that we didn't all get infected, but it ended up being my, my mom and dad and my sister and I, uh, and that was it. And it was so funny because my sister and I were talking about it and I said, I don't remember since maybe we were, I don't know, 10 years old. 
that it's only mm-hmm. been us for Thanksgiving. You know, it's always yeah. been a big, we go somewhere, the family stuff. And then as family is, yeah. you know, passed on and things, families got smaller and we've, we've all congregated at our moms and that's always been a big yeah. deal. And then this year was just the four of us. And it was actually kind of nice. Um, not that we don't love what everybody can come, but uh, we got to have a really good visit and uh, it just kind of checked uh, out. And you know what? I, I got to, I just smile when I hear you say that because I know you're increasingly aware that the time you have with your parents is limited. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that you guys got a chance to just get together again as a family unit around a Thanksgiving table, I think is absolutely yeah. That's wonderful. You know, mom and dad are 86 and they're doing great. I mean, overall, they're mm-hmm. very independent, they're still yeah. living in their home, doing their thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm realizing that, um, you know, uh, I need to, I need to be more intentional with our time Yeah, for sure. Sure. And, yeah. um, I don't want to, um, I don't want to wish that I had prioritized them more later. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, the nuts and bolts of it. But, uh, yeah, no, no hints from my grandsons yet, uh, about, uh, Christmas presents. They just, uh, they just discovered the Grinch with Jim Carrey, uh, this week in their, <laughs> during their flu epidemic. And so they're all, they're all about the Grinch right now. So. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, Allie and I had an unusual Thanksgiving. We always have a house full with kids and grandkids and yeah. You know, various singles and strays and uh, we have a big full house and do a turkey and a ham. And But this year that that didn't happen for just it was just a strange confluence of events and reasons. And, uh, uh, yeah. you know, the, the kids had to be elsewhere and the grandkids had to be elsewhere. Yeah. So Allie and I made the impulsive decision just a few days before Thanksgiving that we would just leave. And we would go back to New Orleans, where we have had a, a wonderful visit before. We have all kinds of great memories. Uh, so I, I went online and booked a little apartment in the French Quarter. Nice. And uh, we flew on Thanksgiving uh, into what turned out to be, frankly, David, a disappointing trip. Oh, no. It it did not live up to expectations. And looking back on it, I really think the problem was the expectations. Uh, we didn't go, we didn't go into it just wide eyed, uh, receptive. Let's just see how this goes. Right. We, we went with a plan to replicate an earlier experience. Oh gosh. Yeah. No, that's a, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Chasing a ghost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if, 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 you know, and we addicts should know that. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't, you can't replicate an experience. Yeah. Uh, but I, I made that fundamental mistake and, you know, events did not cooperate. You know, that, you know, the apartment didn't look nearly as nice when we walked into it as it did online. Oh, sure. Uh, and it had lots of quirks and problems. It was a weird, strange little place. Oh, man. And then it rained the first three days. That we were there. Oh, man. And the restaurant we were planning to go to doesn't exist anymore. And <laughs> so. <laughs> Would you buy. No, we still. <laughs> dinner from a street yeah. vendor or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
You know, so, you know, we did a few of the things that we had planned to do. We we, we, we went to the, the Café du Monde, got the coffee and the beignets early in the morning, and we, we got ourselves a muffaletta, which was amazing. Uh, and uh, and we did a swamp tour. Okay. Uh, in the driving rain. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, yeah, just absolutely were drenched by the time it was over. And apparently most of the wildlife was, you know, had found a dry place to hide during the storm. They knew to stay. But anyway, yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, I don't know. Allie and I, you know, we look back over our life together and the trips we've taken. Mm. And in the past, you know, we have tended to categorize trips as either epic or awful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. It's either the greatest vacation ever or it's the vacation from hell. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And totally. we have a tendency to label it just, you know, a couple of days in some things go wrong. It goes sideways. Mm-hmm. And I really think we kind of from that point on, if we've designated it a, a bad trip, we poison the experience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying that our Thanksgiving was awful. All I'm saying is I think at least for me, I can't speak for my wife, but I think for me, it was not as good as it could have been had I dropped my expectations, mm-hmm. just been wide open to the experience. Mm-hmm. And what do, what do the alcoholics say? Acceptance is the key, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just accept what happens. And, ex- and expectations are just resentments waiting to happen and all that That's stuff. That's right. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if every turn in life is a lesson, uh, I think, you know, I learned another one. Hopefully I'll remember it for the next trip. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a good point though, Nate, because you know, we, I, I, I have really had to work on living in a place of anticipation instead of expectation, mm-hmm. you know, that I don't, ah. I don't, I don't know what's in the box under the tree instead of being the kid that says, you know, if it's not a magic set, my Christmas sucks, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know, it could be whatever, a puppy or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah right. that anticipation is a is a more open handed way to live for sure. But boy, it's hard because uh, I want what I want. All right. You know, mm-hmm. I want what I paid mm-hmm. for. Or mm-hmm. I want, what you know, right. all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I want what I've planned. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad, though, that you guys, you know, you made it back safely. And, and um, we did. you know, Christmas, maybe we'll enjoy a little bit more company. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, hey, you've lined up another great guest for us this week, David. Well, yeah, this is, uh, you know, Chris Smith with Fit for Recovery, and uh, he has an incredible story of his own, um, but also some really practical takeaways for, I think, the people that are uh, really looking for tell me what to do. Tell me how to yes. um, look at a particular situation and and manage it in a w- certain way. And so he's very applicable. And uh, so I think people are going to enjoy it. Okay. I think so too. Listeners, you'll hear Chris when we return on the Positive Sobriety Podcast.
welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. <laughs> Once again, David, you have traveled, scouted to the far reaches of the universe to bring us a, uh, an, another great guest. Go ahead and introduce him if you want. Yeah, this is uh, our uh, kind of new new friend. We've spent a little bit of time together previously, and uh, this is Chris Smith. And Chris uh, has a program called Fit for Recovery, uh, but he's also got a great story that is really um, compelling. And I want him to get a chance to share that with us, but also what uh, what he's doing with regard to uh, Fit for Recovery. And and he's coming to us from a remote uh, place out in middle. T- well, it's I don't know. It's the middle of. Uh, you know, East Egypt somewhere, <laughs> and it's uh, yeah. you know, between. He's in BFE. He is, okay. and he's right. somewhere between Memphis and somewhere in a little town <laughs> in, that I that I you know will we'll protect his an- anonymity, but uh, he's out there. So, <laughs> but he's doing good work out there, and uh, so Chris, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you, Chris. You're not anywhere near Toad Suck, Arkansas, are you? Well, I'm. If you know what, I'm not surprised if that is a real place. Uh, It actually is. Yeah. Here's the thing: I live not too far from a place called Frog Jump, Tennessee. Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So. um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. Is it's a remote little place um, in between, uh, pretty much. Splatted right in between Nashville and Memphis, uh, Carroll, oh, okay. Huntington, Tennessee. Yeah, right, yeah, very, very rural, very rural area. Never thought uh-huh. I'd be back here, but here I am, and grateful to be a part of uh, part of the podcast today, guys. Thank y'all, guys, for having me. Yeah, thank yeah, you, thank great. you for being yeah. here. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, do us a favor, then, will you rewind? Mm-hmm. Tell us, uh, describe as you can, uh, you know, as well you can in kind of uh, the thumbnail form, how you got to this place. Oh, gosh. So uh, how I got to Huntington, Tennessee or how? No, I, no. How, how you got to working in recovery. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Most of us, the, uh, the, uh, recovery comes, I mean, the path to recovery comes through addiction. I mean, that's my story. That's David's story. I'm assuming right. it's yours. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So what kind of a family did you grow up in? And uh-huh. and where did you start to notice that things were a little bit nuts? Well, um, I, of course, I, my family was dysfunctional. Grew up mm-hmm. in a dysfunctional family, a uh, uh, single parent household. Uh, my father left when I was four years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, we lived in a poverty-stricken area as well. And uh, with a lot of... Uh, with a, a a lot of criminal actions taking place within that area as well, and so uh, growing up, I just kind of jumped right into that, mm-hmm. and um, and in my adolescence and, and into my juvenile years and and all into my adult years, and uh, I started using uh, drugs and alcohol kind of. I, well, really to cope with uh, uh, my father leaving, even though I didn't know that what, that's what I was doing. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, yeah, and so I didn't have a mentor, didn't have a father figure in my life. And when I was getting in trouble throughout those years, um, it was really uh, no correction or discipline with that, a slap on the wrist. And so I just assumed that, you know, that was the normality of my life. And there wasn't really, 
really any trouble. Um, um, and so I just figured that was it. And I knew I had a problem um, with uh, drugs and alcohol when I became an adult at 18 years old and I got my first criminal charge and conviction. It did not sway me from doing anything different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I wanted to. You know, even yeah. I wanted to, and I was just stuck in that cycle, and I didn't know how to get out. And of course, uh, you guys know as well as I, it progresses and mm-hmm. it continues to be the. Uh, it becomes a bigger monster, and um, and then I became uh, isolated, restricted myself from um, any kind of movement socially, and I was diagnosed with a social anxiety disorder. I took medication for that. And uh, as my disease progressed, so did my uh, uh, visits within the criminal justice system. And <laughs> I, yeah, so it was uh, I became very acquainted, uh, well acquainted with uh, with the system. And my disease progressed from a that's what I tell people from a two year sentence to a three year sentence to a five year sentence to an eight year sentence to a 16 year sentence. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And um and so I, I just figured that this was, even though I didn't like it, this was all I had in life. And I did not want that taken from me. I said, if, if, if anywhere else, let me at least fit here. Let me fit in with the misfits, you know? Because yeah. 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 It was like, so if I'm an outcast, well, at least, at least I got a title. At least I belong somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Mean, yeah. Yeah. You got an identity, sad. right? Yeah. yeah right. I had, and you found a tribe. And I found a tribe. Yeah. That yeah. exactly. So, um, anyways, this this went on. Yeah. From fourteen, uh, from fourteen to uh, you know thirty. I'm forty three now. So fourteen to thirty seven, and um, right. and I'd been to again. I'd been to prison twice. I'd been in a, another institution and seven different rehabilitation facilities. And um, so I, I got to this last uh, treatment facility and I knew how it worked. I knew, I know if I was always involved because of my actions, I was always involved uh, in structure and routine. If through the criminal justice system, through those rehabs, through those other institutions. If you told me what to do, then I could do it. You know, I was a a model inmate, a model client. I was, if you gave me the structure and, and just appointed me to something, I had no issue with that. It was always leaving and then me having to be responsible over that. And I was like, man, this is such a, so anyways, there at that last treatment center I was in, it was a four month facility. And I was like, I guess I was there two and a half months. And, and I was sitting outside amongst the other individuals that were at this rehab and we were just talking and, and we were laughing and cutting up and, and I don't even know what the conversation was about, but we were just enjoying each other. And I, and I, and the conversation was so irrelevant. I had no clue what we were t- discussing, but I, I caught that moment because it felt so good. 
Yeah, I just caught that moment now. So, so time for me at that particular moment, as they continued to discuss, stopped. I stopped that moment and I said, what is this? It was something inside, like it was building and it was growing and it felt mm-hmm. great. And, and I was like, what is that? I was like, what is this moment I'm having here? And the only response I got was, this is life and you are in it, living it without anything else. You are just enjoying the moment in the now with the people you have around you. And I said, and I said, man, I want more of this. I want more of this. I want to pursue this right here. And so I got up from, from that chair outside. I went inside and I begged them. I begged that place I was at to let me stay because it was a four-month program. I said, please, I need to stay here. There's a lot I need to work on, and I'm not ready. And they said, yeah, stay as long as you like. I said, okay. So I called my wife. I called my kids, and I said, I'm not coming home. And they said, well, when are you coming home? I said, I don't know. Of course, we're on the phone. We're crying and stuff. And, you know, knew this was going to be a treacherous journey, a difficult one. You know, a, a one a one that's where I haven't fought every day in my life. And I was willing to fight every day from that day forward if Lord seemed fit for me to wake up and, 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 and be in the day. And so... I told them, I don't know when I'm coming home. I don't know. I just have to know that I know that I know. And they said, okay. And I won't ever forget something my wife said, because I didn't plan on anybody sticking around for that. You know, and and I said, I, I said, I understand if you can't wait on me. I get it. And so if we need to break this off, you know, then... I get it. I understand. And and so, and she said, Chris, she said, I have stuck by you through your worst. What makes you think I'm going to leave you on your way to your best? Wow. wow. I love that. Yeah. I, wow. Said, oh. I said, I got, now I'm calling her my wife, right? Mm-hmm. But we, we were just um, we were just in a relationship at that time, mm. but I knew when my, when I was getting my life together and she said that, that I was going to marry that woman. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's my wife now, you know, but, uh, we were just in a relationship then, but I said, man, I think I got one here. Got <laughs> Sm- one. Yeah. Smart guy. <laughs> and I, I kept her guys. Yeah. I kept her. Yeah. So, uh, and she was right and she was right. She was my friend. And, you know, I'd say a good friend, uh, a, a true friend, a, a really true friend knows everything about you. Mm. And they still they still decide to be your friend. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 So and she was she was a true friend, a true partner. Yeah. And I ended up marrying her. But anyways, I so what that looked like from there was I stayed two years at that place. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I stayed two years. I started looking at my life, man. And I was like, okay, I'm off of drugs and alcohol. This is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. good. I feel good. But now let's really take a look at our life here. Every person engaged in the fight against alcohol addiction has their own reason for being involved. Maybe it's a husband or wife a daughter or son, a mom or a dad, a best friend, a colleague. 
a job, a hobby, or just yourself. Whatever your reason for recovery, we're all in this together. On the Positive Sobriety Podcast, we understand that the opposite of addiction is connection. And our mission includes building a strong community and working together to break the stigma of alcohol addiction. That's why we've partnered with Soberlink to expand and strengthen our community even further. Soberlink is a remote alcohol monitoring technology created to help provide accountability for people in recovery. The system includes a high-tech breathalyzer device with facial recognition that allows you to share your sobriety in real time with loved ones who can offer support in the event of a slip or a relapse. Soberlink has helped hundreds of thousands of people document proof of sobriety in real time to help rebuild trust and foster peace of mind. Soberlink is currently building a strong community of people in recovery. Get inspired and inspire others today by joining the community at soberlink.com PSP. That PSP, of course, stands for Positive Sobriety Podcast. The link again is soberlink.com PSP. Let yeah. me take a look at every area of my life that is connected to me. And, and let's see how healthy or unhealthy it is. And so it checked the box, you know, for unhealthy living in every area of my life. I didn't know how to make healthy decisions, you know, whatever that was. And I said, okay, now we have time to really start working on this every area. And, um, and that's what I did. And so they allowed me to stay there two years, man. I'm grateful for that place. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, so in that, in that period of time, Chris, did you begin to develop a, a vision for what your post uh, treatment world was going to look like and how you were going to incorporate some of those things and paying it forward and taking it mm -hmm. to others and all those things we talk about in our 12 step? Absolutely. So uh, I was just I, I looked at that place and I seen how giving that place was uh, of themselves and what they did in the community. And I just seen not uh, just the inward success, the inward success of that. And and I was like, man, I need I wanted to emulate that because I could see it was working and I could see that it was working with the individuals that worked there, uh, that was connected to the place. And, and so I was like, okay, well, I need to be uh, connected like that. And I really need to be giving of myself. And, and of course, you know, we hear, you know, to, to keep it, you have to give it away, you know, service work, uh, yeah. all that stuff. And, and that's what I've, I, that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to learn how to do that on my own as well, to take initiative, not just be a part of a, a group that does that, but also take initiative in that and, and, and be giving of myself and, and uh, be of service to other people and, and assist other people in whatever need needs to be met in their life. You know? And I said, but first, I have to do this within my own life. And so, and be giving of myself to myself in my own life. 
And so, at, and that, what that looked like was me looking at those areas of my life and finally giving myself a chance to grow in all those areas. And really that's how uh, Fit for Recovery came about. You know, yeah, and so it was, it was um, uh, basically the framework of that was to be fit in, um, quote, unquote, you know, be fit in every area of my life and give 100% quality effort in all those, all those areas of my life, um, uh, what, just 100%, just to be genuine with the effort that is, uh, given in those areas of my life. And so I came up with the fit for recovery framework for that. And so I said, what does it mean? What do you need to be fit in those areas uh, of your life? And so I uh, came up with the acronym of fit. You needed frequency, you needed intentionality, and you needed time. And, and these were setting goals um, and, and so this is what I wanted to u- utilize to set goals in our lives. And so when I talk about frequency, I'm talking about the rate or amount at which something should occur in your life. So how often should something occur in your life? If we're setting goals, are they daily, weekly, monthly, seasonal, whatever? Uh-huh. Also intentionality. And for me, that was to make sure that I was fully aware of that something that I was doing in my life. So it was deliberate on purpose with no distractions. So I'm fully engaged and I'm focused in on that goal that I've set for my life and time and time. So we're all busy and I wanted to make sure that I could schedule, plan and arrange when that's something uh, I should be doing be done. And so that was availability and allotment, right? And so I wanted to make sure that whether I, when I set a goal, that that would fit in there. And so the four, the number four was first, before we set those outward goals, I wanted to be, I wanted to be inwardly established. I wanted to have a foundational establishment of the four, which is, our spiritual, our mental, our emotional, and our physical health. Mm-hmm. Inwardly. Yeah. Inwardly. So if we do set those outward goals, we're not really attached to the result or the outcome, but we learn during the process, the journey of that. And so we are grounded in those four in our recovery. And I wanted to use the recovery, the SAMHSA recovery definition. I love that definition. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's what they call a working definition. And so working to me means that it's alive, it's progressive, it's always active. And so it's always growing. And the recovery, SAMHSA recovery definition is a process of change through which individuals improve their health and wellness, live self-directed lives, and strive to reach their full potential. And so I looked at that and I said, what are some key words there in that recovery definition? Process, improve, and strive. I looked at those and so I said, I had to remember that this was a process of me continually improving as long as I was striving. And striving means vigorous effort. 
And so I looked at my life and I said, where am I putting vigorous effort at in, into my life? And if I'm not, then I need to improve that. And so uh, I used that fit for recovery model right there to take, to set goals in those life areas. Uh, the 12 life areas that I created uh, that were connected to me and pretty much connected to every, everyone. And, uh, <clears throat> but I said, but I, but I was like, okay, what am I going to use there to set these goals along with the fit for recovery. And I wanted to use, of course, I went through a 12 step process, but when I used the recovery definition, that recovery definition, that sounds like it's for everybody, right? Improving health and wellness, living self-directed lives and striving to reach your full. Everybody should do that. You know, and it sounds like it's for everybody. And so I wanted to use the 12 steps, but of course, there's stigma associated with the 12 steps, right? Somebody's going to say, well, and I tell everybody, I think everybody should go through a 12-step process. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Somewhere around their senior year of high school would be a great thing. <laughs> I think they need to uh, they need to have a 12-step facilitator in, in kindergarten. Yeah, you know, yeah. Let's like, get, kick let's, it off, yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, somebody would look at that. And say, well, I'm not an addict or an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So there was going to be stigma associated with the 12 steps. And, I, and, and for me, the 12 steps are nothing but a bridge into the principles behind the steps. So I just utilized the 12 principles into setting goals that would fit there in their life, which, you know, honesty, hope, surrender, courage, integrity, willingness, yeah. uh, love, humility, responsibility, discipline, awareness, and service. And so, uh, and so I said, well, how, how about I take these principles, I match them up to the life areas and ask myself, are these the principles I'm living by? in in these life areas that I have connected to my life. And if I'm not, then they have to be opposite. And so and so what do I need to do to live by these principles in these life areas? I need to set goals to improve that. I need to live self-directed, set the set them goals and strive to reach my full potential in those life areas. So I have to make sure that I use the fit acronym frequency intentionality and time to make sure that i am stepping into the process of achieving those goals and improving my life with the principles of the 12 steps and when i started doing that you know uh, because my mentor who was at the at at the uh treatment facility he said listen you know you take the meat and leave the bones you take what works for you, you know, and then, you know, not di- just discard the rest, but you want to take the meat of what you've learned here and apply it to your life. And that's what I did. I took the meat of what I learned there to apply to my life and created fit for recovery. Yeah. And and so, and yeah, and so that, that worked for me and it has improved every facet of my life, man. You know, it's just, it blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I love what you've got, the way you've got that structured, Chris, and, and the way you've put that together, because I talk to people every day and, and I was this way as well. Um, I, you know, we want recovery. We want, uh, whatever that looks like we, you know, we mm-hmm. think, um, and we all come in thinking we maybe know what that is. And then, and then we're always surprised, but, uh, but the amount of surprise that I encounter regarding intentionality, uh, about these, these processes and these steps and the work that is involved, the work of recovery, uh, you know, it's always, um, it's always really interesting. And so, and, and, and I have a lot of people that do well with having a lot of space and flexibility. Mm-hmm. And then I have people that really need specificity. They need, you know, mm-hmm. tightly nailed down, tell me what to do. And so mm-hmm. I think, especially for that person, for that client, um, what you've got um, that you're presenting right now uh, is mm-hmm. such an ideal thing because there's no ambiguity about, mm-hmm. you know, where you're, where you're coming from, where you're going to land, what's expected, what, what mm-hmm. will yield what result and why. And that and it puts the responsibility, um, of, of our own expectations and all mm-hmm. that on back onto ourselves. So I really, I really mm-hmm. like what you're, um, what you're offering. And so how do you mm-hmm. deliver that? How do you deliver that to people? Like right mm-hmm. now, if somebody wants to say, God, I'm resonating with what, you know, Chris mm-hmm. is saying, how do I, how do I access that program or that plan mm-hmm. or working in, in his camp? Yeah. Good question. So, um, right now we do, we can, we do individual sessions, but also, which is my favorite are the groupings. And so we utilize really, we, we really harness the power of movement, physical activity in a group setting. And so we'll do like a, 25 minute workout right uh-huh. and and then following the workout we'll do a group uh groups a group discussion and we'll do goal setting sessions in those life areas that you want to improve or you want to set goals in what's uh-huh. beautiful about that is we we for me and we have a facilitator for those groups. What's beautiful about that is for me is that everybody takes their own experience, uh-huh. right? And then we discuss that. And so it's the expertise and the accountability and the support and encouragement from the group that uh, you continue to have through those sessions. And why do we do group uh, why do we do group exercise before we do a group discussion? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah like, good question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, well, first of all, you know, and I say 90% of our country is metabolically unhealthy. Mm-hmm. 90%. Mm-hmm. And a metabolic, and of course, when we're talking about metabolic health, we're just talking about a term that is used to describe how well our bodies generate and process the use of energy. Mm-hmm. 90% of our country is metabolically unhealthy. So we're not generating or even processing the energy that we do have properly. Uh-huh. And so we find ourselves, especially in these times, you know, just coming out of the pandemic and, and whatnot. And a lot of people are um, isolated uh, using their phones. Uh, a lot of 
social media engagement and and i understand that is the that's the uh trajectory where we're where we're headed but and a lot of a lot of people are finding themselves uh not being as active as they normally were and right. of course when we become sedentary and we become stationary at our places uh we don't have any energy because we're not generating any any energy because the movement from our life is gone and so we want to use that movement to utilize the energy we have, but also uh, replace it with even more energy we have in that groups. But it's also an icebreaker. It's an icebreaker and we have accomplished something together as well. Our mood is also improved and it also and it also improves our decision making. Physical activity improves your decision making, executive function. Uh-huh. And and it increases your social skills. Mm-hmm. And so and so what we have is we have done something together already. And now we're going to transition into a group discussion about uh, areas that may be may need you to be vulnerable uh, in those areas of your life that you need to discuss and open up about. And you're going to discuss and open up in these areas of your life with people you've already accomplished something together with that may have experience in regards to that area that you struggle in. Uh And so, um, and so right now, uh, back to the main question is um, we're in the process of setting up a website. Uh, We secured the domain. Of course, um, uh, we're we're in the trademarking uh, process as well right now. And, Uh and, um, which looks good. And, and so we hope we're hoping by next year that we will have our own website. And uh, of course we had partnered with, uh, and we have support from Hazel and Betty Ford foundation uh-huh. um, because there is a journal that comes along with this as well. And, um, and then you use the journal. It's a day by day health guide journal that we use within the groups as well, or in each individual session. And so right now you can just reach, reach me at my phone number and I don't mind putting it out there. And then we okay. have those conversations. So my phone number is 731-244-1449. And, or you could even email me at C as in cat, D as in dog, Smith, CD Smith, 0720 at gmail.com and and so it's really been great uh of course i've i've uh, done some active workshops in different states and stuff just trying to get um just trying to get this thing um pushed out there and recognized you know it's still in embryonic stages but i used this the same in the same way that i coach in the same way that um i came into recovery was just embarking on a journey with something that you believe in, you know, regardless. And it's uncomfortable. There is discomfort in it. But my recovery taught me in order to grow and evolve, you're going to have to be uncomfortable. And, yeah. and so this is, yeah, it's uncomfortable. You don't know how this thing's going to turn out, but it's just the stepping into and yeah. just embracing that discomfort, knowing that you're going to uh, grow and evolve from this, irregardless yeah. of the success or failure of it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. 
Well, I think you're on to something. I mean, I think you've got some great material to share with people. So I encourage you to just, you know, keep pressing through that process and getting that website uh, accessible. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're ready to uh, really have a big kickoff launch, uh, maybe we can help you feature that or something. But um, oh, man, that's awesome. yes, yeah, it's because uh, mm-hmm. you, you really do have some great things to share about intentionality and uh, and being uncomfortable. And um, I think that's an important message because I think a lot of us go into recovery hoping that it just happens to us, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, well, I'm here, do your thing. You know, <laughs> right. I showed up to treatment or I showed up to your office or I showed up to a meeting, you know, so sprinkle that dust you guys must have on me and let me go back <laughs> to my real life, you know. And, yeah, uh, like that, David. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? If it did, think of what we would be robbed of from what we learned. You know, if if we did have the magic dust, you know. So right, you know. right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I I am I do have a question. Yes, uh, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, you clearly have a passion for recovery, mm-hmm. for giving it away, and you also, I can tell, have a love for your wife and kids do you find that those two passions are ever in conflict and do you have to trade one against the other do you have to is it is the balancing act ever difficult okay so this is i so before my wife and i got married i told her i said you know you know me you know who i am you know what i'm what i'm about what i'm going to do I'll never change that as far mm-hmm. as the fire, right? As mm-hmm. far as ambition and drive and all this. And I said, sometimes, sometimes our relationship may seem like it's a little rocky because I have to focus here a little mm-hmm. bit more than here sometimes. And I said, and she understood that. And I said, okay. And so, like I said, my friend, and so, no. So when it does, and I just tell her to tell me, like I just Mm -hmm. say, tell me, tell me when, tell me when there needs to be, uh, when I need to be more attentive to you and you're not, Uh let Mm -hmm. me know because I can get caught up. And so I'm in a, in my recovery, allow me to, when when we talk about principles over personalities, you know, so I can receive the message that you are relaying to me and not be in my feelings or allow, allow my feelings to dictate myself into a behavior because of the way somebody else is feeling. And so, and so we have great communication. That's awesome. Yeah. We have a, we have an open line transparency and uh, she really supports what I do. And, but she'll also say, Hey, I need attention mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, and I'm just like, okay. Yeah. And so I, I'll have to not cut it off, but I'll have to let the water drip, you know, mm-hmm. while, I, yeah. while, while I attend to her. And yeah. Her. yeah. And so, yeah. And so, and everybody understands that with me, that's connected with me because I just lay it out there. Yeah, you know, and if I need to be reminded, like, hey, you need to do this, I'm like, okay, okay. So I'll just, it's not even that I take a step back, it's just that I take a step over. 
you know. Yeah. 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 And so as far as trying to balance, everybody understands that I have an imbalance and <laughs> like, you know, and I am because I'm, you know, us as us as um, recovering addicts, we're extremists. We're all into something or we're all out to out of something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, and like I was saying, I'm 100% of anything that I give. And so uh, sometimes I have to cut that off somewhere to focus my mm-hmm. 100% somewhere else. And sure, they're gosh. understanding, yeah, they're understanding of that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. Well, man, it sounds like you are... Um, exemplifying a, a balanced life here for us today. And I, I appreciate your, your willingness to do that and your, and your uh, specificity, you know, again, I just, I'm really resonating with the, the specific direction that you're able to guide people in, you know? So, um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for that today. Well, all right. Yes. Thank you all guys so much for having me today. I appreciate what you guys do as well. So thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. All right. Well, Chris's contact information is going to be in the show notes to this episode. Uh, Listeners, stay with us. We will be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety. Well, that's about it for this episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. I'm closing it out here for my friend David and for our great guest, Chris Smith. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode and that you find the show helpful, informative, inspirational. Even if you don't, we would love to hear from you. All feedback is highly valuable to us. So take a moment if you have uh, if you can, and uh, drop us a line at positive sobriety podcast at gmail.com. Well, that's it for this week. Until next time, for David, I'm Nate, and we are your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich. Uh, Hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe by (laughs) Kathy Gifford.